progress has by all accounts ramped up exponentially over the last seven weeks and with the dollar foolishly already weaponized, it's game on. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode and from the entire Live from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support and as you can imagine the community keeps growing more and more every single week and there's a lot to talk about during these historic times and Andrew McGuire is in the house and we'll be talking gold right now and this is going to be an amazing episode. I'll tell you why you need to fasten your seatbelt because Live from the Vault gives you access to information update that you just can't get anywhere else. And this episode is going to be no exception. And just before we get to Talking Gold with Andy McGuire, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to continue hearing from you, our Live from the Vault community, on who you would love to see as a guest on the show. Uh, all you got to do is just, you know, let us know what it is. So you just click down on the description below. You'll see that you can head over to our Twitter account and reply to the tweet by tagging your dream live from the vault guest and we'll keep a close eye on that for results and you never know who we're going to have on this show i'm excited about the lineup that's coming so that's awesome and with that let's head over to the uk and talking gold with the one and only andrew mcguire now andy for consistency i know we usually pick up the thread uh, from the last episode you know it's been two weeks now and we'd like to sum up maybe the short-term action and then we'll look at the wholesale markets. And what are you seeing right now? Where can you start off this episode based on what's happened just over the short two weeks that just passed? Yeah, it's amazing how time flies. Nice to be with you again, Shane. Uh, and nice to uh, be with everybody again uh, for an update. Um, so let's, yeah, absolutely for consistency. Let's start by just stepping back uh, from this very short-term paper-driven chart chatter uh, to focus on a discernible change in behavior. And you think, well, hang on, there's no change in behavior. Look, no, if you pull back, actually, there is a change in behavior. Uh, and it's something, obviously, from a wholesale market, a paper market perspective. Um, and we've seen this particularly, um, and this is like really top down, uh, because this comes from after the spike of futures driven bottoms made uh, on the 13th of May, uh, that was GC, I mean, gold futures, that was 1785. And in silver futures, that was 2420, I remember. Um, now this, see, this change in behavior was kind of reaffirmed following the very first liquid session of the second quarter. Now, if you think we've only just literally, this week, uh, really on the 7th of June was the first liquid session um, of, of this, uh, uh, end, end of quarter. And although the subtle change in behavior has not filtered through into the spec driven uh, uh, specs driving the downside momentum yet, uh, we can see that multiple times now, um, the expected, but the expected stru structural change in stance from a sell the rally to a buy the dip stance is being driven actually by commercials running out of sufficient speculative open interest to lend, now bearing in mind you're talking about a futures market where you have to borrow the chips from the casino. Well, there comes a point 
where you literally uh, you're limited to the amount that you can actually borrow. So so they're running out of uh, this these chips to lend to incentivize this huge herd of of uh, blinker traders uh, who really consider they're trading a, a, a chasing a dot on a screen and they're chasing price lower. Why? Because they're rigged to do so. And we'll look at that in a minute as to how that works. But looking at the footprints ahead of last week's CPI data. Now, obviously, this is where we need to, if you, you know, look, if you don't wait, wait two minutes and we'll get, get over this technical stuff. But, but essentially, you know, into the CPI data, we, we warned in the previous episode, there's a massive short position above the market spec that is ready for a squeeze. And so insiders basically had been pulling, uh, employing bid pulling tactics, but those alone were notably losing sufficient traction to really equitably load more shorts onto the specs. So conversely, the spec short stops above the market were looking extremely attractive, like we said last time. And sure enough, the anticipated strong CPI print, which we said uh, would probably trigger a rally, which did, was the first really of several catalysts for the house to pull the trigger on this first layer of very low hanging spec short stops last Friday. Now, sure enough, Monday, uh, this Monday, following inside a bid pulling ahead of FOMC today, which is Wednesday, it's FOMC upcoming this evening, specs who chart painted these algos are completely blinkered to a very strong central bank and sovereign physical gold market demand. And they dutifully need your hook reacting to a strong dollar and a rising bond yields, selling paper. They auto sell both gold futures and silver futures into what they just see as net bearish paper centric crosses because there is no physical as far as they're concerned. So bottom line, following this two way rinsing of spec shorts and then long stops, the casino is back to where it was just before they'd run out of open interest to lend to the specs into last Friday's CPI lows, after which the first leg of the upside short stop rinse commenced. Here we are, deja vu. Having profitably rung the register on extremely wrong-footed spec shorts following CPI, this inverse two-way long, uh, long stop rinse began at the Monday open, so coming down, hunting those stops. Uh, which obviously the shorts had been rinsed, so they'd gone long, and now they were rinsed back on the downside. And what that did was just literally enable them, there was enough, just enough open interest to lend these shorts out to the specs, driving both gold and silver futures into an actionable backwardation. We talked about backwardations. This should not be happening in a futures market. You should not have a futures price that's less than the cash price today. And it forced the pit managers, these backwardations forced the pit managers, which we may as well call them that, uh, the casino pit managers, um, to, to, to basically take the long side, the other side of these spec short bets once more as they were rigging the price lower. Now, FOMC volatility aside later today, this two-way short rinse followed by the long stop rinse has profitably reset the house books. The attraction to rinse spec short stops again is building. Now, Andrew, on, on, on a previous episode and on previous episodes, actually, you, you've looked at 
who's controlling these algos and who's driving the paper and gold price. But you, you also mentioned that there's limitations in this particular scope and what they're doing here. Can you bring us up to date on that? Sure, sure, Shane. And, and basically, because this action is counterintuitive, and this it is two-way action, but definitely counterintuitive. Um, and it really beggars the question, of course, where are the automated spec algo inputs coming from? Because it is algorithmically driven. Now, the reason we track risk sentiment, which is proxied by ES, the S&Ps, but call it ES, is because the deliberately insider constructed, and we've talked about this before, the algo that is ES to SI and ES to GC, meaning ES to silver futures, ES to gold futures, is correlated. This correlated algo greatly influences these inputs for the spec-driven automated paper gold and silver algos. Now, currently, due to the factors the house cannot control, namely a very strong dollar index, rising short-term interest rates, uh, tens in the 30-year bond yields entrenched well over 3%, S&Ps, ES, looks extremely overvalued and vulnerable to a major downside correction. So ES is being sold into and capped by global traders on every test, upside test of its downsloping 50-day moving average, which currently is 4,100. And on Monday, it was it was sold into official bear market territory. Now, that's the first time that uh, S&Ps have been actually pushed into uh, into bear market territory. That's going to affect what a lot of hedge funds do. So at best assessment, uh, with the Fed clearly on the back foot, the Fed put, if you remember, the Fed put, what is that? That is the support point that the Fed puts under a, under the market to avert a, a 1929-type freefall crash. Now, that put, the level that must be supported, now sits at the 11th of June at 34.56 at that low. Uh, and we've, we've done that assessment, and um, we're not the only ones that, that's considering that. So that's a major inflection point, which as of yesterday's 37.08 low, which is after an 1100 point correction since January, was only 250 little points or just over 6% away. Now, given ES has fallen 23% since January highs, this is not a stretch. So for this reason, and because of these algos, we need to look at how such an ongoing correction will individually impact gold and silver futures. Now, to better assess the resulting impact of such a risk on market correction, we've got to bear in mind that these spec-driven algo gold and silver correlations are primarily COMEX generated and are 100% paper-centric. So really, in order to assess the impact on gold and silver as a global currency, we need to vend into the equation the directly linked deliverable spot gold and silver foreign exchange crosses where the extremely leveraged futures-driven paper market meets the lagging but underpinned deliverable physical markets head-on. Now, these are the only levels we need to focus on because obviously if we just focus on the paper market, you're just going to see chart chatter. And although joined at the hip, the effect is slightly different uh, for gold versus silver. And there's a couple of main reasons for that. 
because spot gold is now Basel III compliant. So unless the exchange for physicals flowing out of the COMEX into the over-the-counter uh, uh, gold spot market can be channeled into the non-compliant COMEX-centric GLD ETF, it must be deliverable. <laughs> but just as we talk, as we mentioned GLD, and we'll expand more on this, but, but as we just mentioned GLD, their, their admission in their last SEC filing admitted that they can sidestep any requested delivery request uh, and, and their, their wording was, it can be summed up, delivery, if delivery is impractical for any reason. That's right in their uh, filing. Well, that's another discussion altogether, really, which we've covered in previous episodes. But this completely underscores that the G GLD ETF is not Basel III compliant, which is something we've contended for quite some time. Now, silver already had that ETF backdoor put in place, if you remember, in February 2021, when the SLV custodian BlackRock announced it would not go to market to buy physical silver to match this massive influx of silver orders, which would have driven the silver price literally tens of dollars higher overnight. But for the purpose of discerning the difference algo impacts have on silver versus gold is that silver is not Basel III compliant. However, silver is also a deliverable foreign exchange cross joined at the hip to gold with the ratio trade, which is visible and an actionable cross, tradable cross. Now, when the gold silver ratio is driven to extremes, which is the case now, it's going to be arbitraged by market making insiders exposed to delivery obligations forcing a pushback against otherwise price-controlling COMEX-centric algos. So it's not just a one-way street. Now, in gold futures, we evidence noticeable pushbacks against this correlated ESGC algo uh, due to the offsetting safe haven demand emanating from both the paper and the physical markets. There is a safe haven flow. Uh, that was evident in the C after the CPI print, when we saw almost a 3% um, uh, rise in, um, in, in, in gold versus an ES sell-off, sell um, which is, uh, I mean, really, basically, ES then fell, uh, sorry, ES fell two point nearly 3%, uh, and gold futures rose, rose by 1.23%. And remember, obviously, obviously, that's the correct way around. So that is an evidence of a pushback. Now, normally these correlated algos are geared to, to go in the same direction. Now, these paper-centric algo pushbacks appear really in the form of four primary drivers, some very short-term and some very long-term embedded drivers. And the first thing to note is that following a decade of, and as Peter Grandich described it in our last interview, Stock market traders are, are, are driving up a Fed-enabled one-way street. Um, so gold, because of this, gold long ago fell out of the toolbox as a hedging tool for risk. So the old mainstream media excuse of saying gold fell because uh, due to the stock market margin calls, it's not, no longer is that a, a quantifiable reason. Wow, that's that's amazing. Now, Andrew, can you walk us through what you're looking for when assessing the current short-term action in, in the wholesale markets? So very short-term 
into a stock market price decline, which is what we're trying to assess what's going to happen here, hot money rolls out into a range of perceived safe havens. That includes cash, often uh, the dollar, bonds, clearly, and gold. In, now, in such circumstances, we also evidence gold rising alongside the dollar. And there are there's a number of factors that can override the long dollar short gold foreign exchange cross, and we're evidencing them now. Now, look, we'll look at evidence of this in a moment. But first, here are four things really we focus on to um, to varying degrees to offset this algo, which is purely a paper centric algo. The first thing to note is step back, look at the bigger picture. Central, and this is also short term, central bank physical buying and repatriations is what we're looking at. Plain vanilla um, gold sovereign uh, physical gold buying drives the unleveraged physical price higher, draining fractionally held bullion underpinning the 100 to 1 paper to physical COMEX centric driven action. So they are, I mean, obviously. Uh, they can't control the fact that it is competing central bank and physical uh, physical buying. Now, on the other hand, repatriations remove the ability to double count least out bullion inside this LME CMA, uh, sorry, CME LBMA alliance, which was formed in March 2020. Now, we're evidencing both going on right now. Some openly reported. But the bulk, such as the Russia-China BRICS currency commoditization ramp up, is currently completely off the radar. Where are you seeing any of that in the mainstream media? The second thing we look at is, OK, global, ballooning global debt. Now, to put that into context, counter to the global debt binge, central banks have accumulated record levels of, of physical gold. I notably picking up this was picking this picked up notably after March 2020, after the EFP blew up. And then again in January 2022, uh, when the, the Basel three wake up call came in. And while the dollar has has risen during this same safe haven driven accumulation period into this week's 105.7 highs. That's not seen since November 2002. We have to remember gold was trading that last time at that point at 320 bucks. So during this same strong dollar period, gold has also risen to print all time 2089 highs. So bottom line, even where we are now, despite all the very short term paper centric gaming, uh, currently, uh, currently is temporarily capping 1900. Uh, utilizing the house tool we've just described. Now, we currently evidence the COT pit inside a sweet spot is at 1890, which is $1,580 higher than the prior 20 year old DX10570 print. So we're just trying to bring into context. This blows away the argument that gold has a win lose relationship with the dollar and stocks. And, and notably, we evidence a very similar constructed COMEX centric ES to Bitcoin related algo seeking to contain this fiat money competitor. Don't forget, Bitcoin has now come into the crosshairs of the manipulators.
So, and, and again, not seeing that reported anywhere. Now, cracks in the US economy, this is the third thing. So really, there's two things. The third thing, we are seeing cracks in the US economy. This is all what we're seeing driving physical buying. And this is also really the beginning, not even the beginning, an acceleration of the demise of US dollar hegemony. Now, look, this is completely irrefutably evident. And as we assessed in our last episode, having evidenced how suddenly money was weaponized against Russia, and given that China is a military enemy of the US, China is notably ramping up its efforts to secure monetary sovereignty alongside Russia by developing a separate BRICS, uh, BRICS currency basket. So the building friction over Taiwan, you can see it is escalating. This week, China's defense minister for the first time formally issued a US red line warning stating that China would not hesitate to start a war no matter what the cost was, his words, if the US intervenes in Taiwan inter integration with, with, uh, with China. Now, given that the US ignores Russia's red line warning regarding NATO's expansion into the Russia borders, likely, given the footprints in retrospect, we have to assume this was a planned proxy war by design. However, the resulting US dollar hegemony blowbacks were not anticipated. And it would be far more serious mistake to now ignore China's red line warning. Now, militarily, China views Taiwan as Chinese territory and they're open about it. And the increasing provision of US weapon systems to protect Taiwan against China is bringing an inevitable US-China conflict closer. Now, while escalating geopolitics is not the single structured narrative and also a major driver to purchase physical gold, the first step to, 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 to ready for an upcoming conflict uh, is for China to rapidly de-dollarize by accelerating the establishment of this BRICS currency, ba currency basket. Now, the BRICS currency basket has been in development for well over two years. We've mentioned it before, but progress has, by all accounts, ramped up exponentially over the last seven weeks. And with the dollar foolishly already weaponized, it's game on. And this commodity currency basket will be phased in years earlier than was ever anticipated. Now, now, Andrew, you, you had mentioned a fourth bullish for gold driver. And what, what feedback are you getting regarding the collapse of the U.S. hedge money? Yes, Shane, um, I will do. Um, but before we look at the fourth physical gold accumulation driver and some important, we've got some very important inputs driving the collapse of U.S. dollar hegemony. So let's we'll look at that in a minute. First, let's take a look at what I've been working on following our last episode. Now, this is very much a, a work in progress, but I'm really happy to share this here. And obviously, I'm going to add to this over the next few weeks because this is something, this is a major, major, we'll be looking in the rearview mirror at this. Now, these observations are further to our look in our last market episode two weeks ago, where we were assessing the impact of the commoditization of the ruble 
and what effect that will have on the precious metals market, especially with the oil for energy trade. Now, this week's geopolitical escalations between the US and China and Russia gaining a missile base foothold in Nicaragua seriously ramps up the odds of something going very, very wrong. And there's little doubt that China is militarily able to repatriate Taiwan. And if ever there was a time for China to pull the trigger to act, it would be while a weakened US is at its most vulnerable, likely before the midterms even, which could ultimately segue a possible road to a more militarily aggressive Republican Trump regime. That's something that would be avoided, I think. So having seen how quickly money was weaponized against Russia, China is readying. This is information we're getting back from our liquidity providers and people well connected with the Chinese and Russian markets. They're readying for the inevitable widening of these measures and are ramping up current measures to secure monetary sovereignty alongside Russia by formalizing this BRICS currency basket. Now, based upon ongoing discussions with a range of well-connected liquidity providers exposed to the Russian and Chinese markets, we're assessing the likely weighting of the commodities inside this newly determined BRICS basket of currencies. Now, it's a wide basket, but obviously our focus is on gold and silver. And the accelerated deployment of this currency basket it is so grossly underestimated, we need to look at it. Gold and silver will be revalued at a faster pace than the ability to unwind the billions of dollars of bearish derivative bets against a higher gold price. And at the margin, this threatens the anchor of a one quadrillion of derivatives and the collapse of the largest ETF, GLD. Now, there's reasons for that. So just based on our discussions, the likely weighting of the top three commodities inside the BRICS basket of gold is gold, a basket is gold, oil, and amazingly enough, silver. Because look, while gold is the anchor, the reason the tiny silver market figures so high in the weightings is that it's the most undervalued and short sold of all commodities on the list. And, and you know, as evidenced by anchor liquidity provider JP Morgan and Standard Chartered exiting the base metal space following the nickel blow up, paper market liquidity supporting decades old derivative structures will thin out dramatically. And this will feed into silver, which is, again, as we said last time, we have really good information that JP Morgan wants to get their silver back, which, according to all estimates, Silver is going to proportionally outperform to the upside. Hence, we bring it up into this as a, even though it's a small market, it's the outperformance of its price that brings it into the top, initially into the top of this group. And that being said, Shane, that brings us onto the longer term and more important driver to reset and benchmark the foreign exchange paper gold price against a physically derived global supply demand price. Now, we've looked at this quite a few times over the last two years, but if the dollar has any hope of maintaining some semblance of hegemony, gold must be allowed to revalue. And while Basel III NSFRs were implemented to ultimately achieve this revaluation, weaponizing the US dollar has brought this onto the front burner really far, far quicker than they planned. So that brings me on to the final fourth 
point, which is really long term. It's a we've talked about this before. Gold's collateralization of US foreign obligations is at historic lows and to protect rapidly diluting US dollar hegemony. This imbalance must be normalized. And the first step and one of the main objectives of implementing Basel III NSFRs was a structured exit plan to address this global imbalance. The unfactored commoditization of the BRICS currency basket has accelerated the process. And we see this as the primary reason gold must, must in capitals be revalued a lot quicker than was planned. Now, the current ratio of gold to foreign debts outstanding after recent more printing has now shrunk from 6% to under 5. In fact, I'm generous to call it 5. The ratio is significantly below the 20 to 40% historical average, which the, the Bank of International Settlements likely expects the ratio to ultimately revert to into the implementation of Basel III. But as I say, it was supposed to be a slow progress. Restoring a 20 to 40% ratio of gold to foreign debts outstanding from current levels easily, easily puts gold at between six and 12,000 per ounce. However, the last time the dollar was questioned in 1980, which is clearly the case now uh, by the BRICS countries, okay, not globally, but by the BRICS countries, then foreign held treasuries of US government at that point back in, in 1980 ramped up to 140% of uh, collateralized by gold, technically valuing gold at 40,000 per ounce. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. The migration of the oil trade and the recent Russia-China alliance, which accelerated the commoditization of the ruble and the yuan, poses an unfactored threat to unbacked US dollar hegemony. Now, now Andrew, with silver joined at the hip to gold, uh, where do you see the silver prices for our silver community? Where do you see it priced into such gold like this reset that's happening right now? Yeah, great, great question, um, Shane. And, and because silver has been acting extremely poorly, and we all know it's to do with the capping of this OCC derivative position, the millions of ounces that have been sold, sold short, uh, and its direct relationship to SLV. Uh, which enables um, the any any physical buying to be flywheeled and not purchased. Now, the gold silver ratio is currently at a ludicrous 86 to one. So let's look at the numbers. Even if we don't adjust this, just leave it at 86 to one. Um, uh, obviously, this is a paper centric level, but that puts silver at a minimum between 70 and $140 per ounce, if with about re-establishing re this gold collateralization. But if we look at 1980 levels, that could potentially put silver at $580 an ounce. Now you have to think nickel before dismissing this physical supply demand price. And as we covered in our last episode, while it was and is possible to halt trades on the siloed backwater of the LME, Silver is a deliverable global foreign exchange currency cross, trading alongside the dollar, the euro, the yen, etc. And no such market halt could be instigated without calling, causing all the too big to fail over-the-counter liquidity providers uh, to crash and burn. You cannot segregate one of the foreign exchange crosses against the dollar. 
the March 2020 EFP blow-up triggered an $18 price ramp. That's, that would be absolutely minuscule in comparison to a call on silver to physically back up the BRICS basket. Now, while SLV has been enabled, enabled to flywheel physical silver investments into unallocated credit positions, and most Western traders would be red flagged by the cartel, including us, if front running them a producer, you go in and try and take, uh, take product from a producer anywhere in the world virtually, they control the metals accounts of most producers. Therefore, you're red flagged if you come and try and do it. And what they'll do is block you and red flag you from ever buying any silver again from, from any of the major outlets. But they won't be able to red flag a physical silver required to fulfill the BRICS commodity basket. You're talking about um, something that is central bank organized. This is going to blow up the siloed OCC derivative position. I'm absolutely certain of that. Once you've removed this containment, then the whole thing is game on. Now, once gold breaks loose of its unallocated collar, silver is going to too change. I mean, this puts the gold-silver cross closer to 16 to 1. We had Bill Halter talking about why 16 to 1. Made a lot of sense. Um, put a short squeeze on silver, and this ratio becomes magnetic. And once we see the unwind of the unallocated collar, I see silver's fair value somewhere around 375 to 750 bucks, bucks if the dollar fails. It's not going to be good. If it, look, if the dollar really fails, it won't be gold trading at 2,500 an ounce. Look, I'm not saying silver is going to trade at 2,500 anytime soon, as higher physical prices as they emerge will bring physical to the market and a real physical price will settle. We don't know what that is, but it's a hell of a lot higher. But looking at a potential for an over-the-counter nickel-like explosive derivative bomb, we cannot ignore that it was Bloomberg who publicly assessed a benchmark of 250 to 1 leverage for silver. They noted that on the transition date uh, of the all-new silver fix on August the 15th, 2014. So back then, Bloomberg assessed that the global paper silver market was valued at 5 trillion, including options, ETFs, etc. Now, as it happened, Silver was trading around 20 bucks then. Huh, there yeah, are no containment there, is there? Uh, with annual production at around a billion dollar ounces, okay, very close to current metrics. So let's look at how nickel-like the silver derivative market really is at this juncture. And as we discussed last time, a 251, a 250 to one insiders are currently leveraging $5,000 silver. This is ludicrous. But it's the game, please. And that explains how they can control this price. Please do not discount these targets. We're encountering an unprecedented circumstance with footprints evidencing the old cabal buying physical gold and silver hand over fist. And the specs are the patsies here. Hey, Andrew, just before we started recording, as usual, you provided some good context to what we're seeing in the very, very short term from a wholesale market perspective. Can you share with our subscribers uh, what you were talking about here? Yeah, really pleased to, Shane. Um, so very short term, looking at the wholesale physical markets, uh, we continue to evidence a steady safe haven physical demand from India and Asia 
which has up to now become a cell pivot for the specs at every pit open. If you look at the pit opens, you see that's where the selling starts every single time, almost relentlessly. But as we evidence, as this week has progressed, with, with the, the spec selling open interest running thinner, the house has been quicker to take the net long side, overrunning these automated pit sellers who are mindlessly correlated to the rising dollar index and bond yields, and of course, inversely to the ES algo that we just described. Now, looking at the global picture, with a particular focus on the all-important Russia-China physical gold alliance, there's a couple of things we really observe. Although the gold price in dollar terms has posted a very large $290 correction from, uh, it was at 2078 on the 8th of March, all the way through to 1785 spike low on the 16th of May, the SGE gold price recorded a much, much smaller decline due to the yuan's depreciation. Now, conversely, the ruble foreign exchange cross versus the dollar has, has reverted from Biden's rubble assessment, strengthening all the way to 2017 highs against the dollar during the same period into this $290 US dollar gold price sell-off. However, into this COMEX-driven price decline, ruble gold was noted to be in extremely strong demand with the ruble price of gold actually rising strongly, but offset in dollar terms by the stronger exchange rate. Obviously, that equation lowers the price in US dollar terms, but not in ruble terms. Now, silver, the silver COMEX managed money positions in the meantime, these are things to note, have returned to net short for the first time since June 2019. You know who's going to win this. If, the, if, you're, if you're against short against the house, you know the house is going to take you the long side. And we know that the SLV price is benchmarked at the silver fix. And given the counterintuitive heavy action into a strong physical demand, it's clear there are efforts to fix the derivative price as low as possible as part of the efforts to unwind the related deeply underwater OCC position. Now, notably, each fix this week and last week was banned, banked progressively lower, but backwardations, i.e. the silver price, futures price, much, much lower, deeply lower than the spot price, illustrates it's the commercials who are long against the specs. And it's impossible to hide that, those footprints. So spec short stops above the market are once again extremely attractive in both gold and silver futures. Structurally, we have not evidenced such a bullish setup since gold was at 1170 bucks in August 2018 and silver at $12 in March 2020. So Shane, to sum up in the words of Robert Kiyosaki, how much physical do you have, guys? All right. Thank you so much, Andy McGuire with Talking Gold. And remember, to our Life in the Vault community, buy physical and understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper, gold and silver markets, and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another fascinating, I told you, fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. Please help us share and spread the word about this channel by liking, by sharing. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you click on the bell if you'd like to be notified as these episodes go live. And one more thing, we really want to hear from you. 
are live from the vault community. So who would you like to see on the show appear as a guest? You can have your say. Just click the link below in the description there and head over to our Twitter account and reply to the tweet by tagging your own dream live from the vault guest and we'll keep you informed on the results. And with that, we'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.